I am India Ari, and this is my podcast, Songversation, where I choose one of my songs and I riff on that song. Simple as that. This episode is called Songversation Little Things. And it was inspired by a message left by a listener. And so I want to play you that message before we get into this conversation. Here it goes. So I have a question. I want to know what the process was like for you when you were writing little things. Because when I listen to that record, I always go back to that record whenever I want to feel empowered Whenever I want to dance and march to the beat of my own drum, whenever I want to feel free, whenever I want to feel high, whenever I want to celebrate and live in a moment and just appreciate just just my existence and being in that moment, that is the record that does it for me. So I want to know what that was like when you were writing that song because when I listen to that song, it's just so many emotions that just moves through my body. It's like, ah, oh, I can't even explain the overwhelming joy that I get when I listen to that record. I always go back to that record. So can you tell me what the process was like when you were writing that record? I would love to know. That was a message from Chanel Marche, and it really made me smile because she also left three other messages and the final message the fourth message she was playing the song little things in the background and it brought a lot of emotions and memories up for me too and so this is song versation little things but before we go any further let's listen to the song thank you for being here Yeah. 
is lost sight of my goals. I do this for the love of music, not for the glitter and gold. Got everything that I prayed for, even a little more. When I asked to learn humility, this is what I was told. And the joy they bring, it's the little thing. That is Little Things from my second album, Voyage to India. And for anybody listening who does not know, I have eight albums. Acoustic Soul, Voyage to India, Testimony Volume 1, Life and Relationship, Testimony Volume 2, Love and Politics. Um, I have <laughs> uh, Songversation, Songversation Medicine. And I also have my Christmas album called India RE and Joe Sample, Christmas with Friends. And I'm getting ready to release my eighth album, Worthy. And so this song is from my second album released in 2002 called Voyage to India, which just as a side note, that album was named after a Stevie Wonder song. Stevie Wonder has the album that he released after Songs in the Key of Life, and it was called Stevie Wonder's Journey Through the Secret Lives of Plants. And it was an album, a double album, that was made as a soundtrack to a documentary called The Secret Lives of Plants. And there's a song on there called Voyage to India, and so because Stevie Wonder is the music of my soul, I named my second album Voyage to India. And so, um, from the beginning of this impromptu podcast, from the very first one, I started just playing music in the speakers. And so just now I did that. I used my speaker and just played it from my iPad. But for those of you who have Apple Music, I also added the link to the song Little Things inside Apple Music so you can hear it like that too. Uh, let me know if that works. I don't, you know, I'm still figuring this all out. So send me some messages. Let me know how that works. And as you can see, sending the messages really does work because this episode is inspired by Chanel Marche and is inspired by a story that I want to tell you. So let's get into it. Welcome to Songversation Little Things. Welcome to Songversation Little Things. It is 3.30 in the morning. I'm on the East Coast at home. And I just took a long drive today. I took a three and a half hour drive from um, one city to another city. And then I came here and I sat with my mom for a little while and I went to my brother's house to see my brother and my little niece, Harper, who I freaking adore. And now I should be tired and I kind of am, but... 
I was ready to do this episode because I've been gathering my thoughts around it for the last couple of weeks, which by the way, forgive me for it being a couple of weeks since my last podcast, I am in the completion stages of my album Worthy. And when I get into those completion stages, all bets are off for everything. And so I am um, still in completion stages, but taking a couple of days off. And so I really wanted to do this episode, even though, yes, it is 3.30 in the morning and I'm speaking a little bit quiet because I'm at my mom's house, but also a little bit quiet just because I'm in that mood. Um, I hope my voice sounds very beautiful still and sexy. <laughs> ah, So, Songversation Little Things. This song was inspired by something that I realized listening to this song is kind of unexpected. And so I want to go back and tell you a story about the beginning years of my career. So in 2001, I released my album, Acoustic Soul, and we released it March 27, 2001. And by the end of the year, I remember sitting with the president of my label, his name was Kidar Massenberg. I was sitting with Kidar, and I remember saying to him, if I get some Grammy nominations, could we make a video for this song, Ready for Love? Because Ready for Love was something that was very special to me and my album up to that point hadn't sold enough records to warrant making another video, but he was always really on my side. And so I thought if I asked that maybe he would do it and he said, I got word you're going to get about three or four Grammy nominations. And, you know, I was excited. I'm, I was about 26 years old and I just heard that I was going to get some Grammy nominations. And so um, January comes and you can see this online probably somewhere. There's a Grammy nomination ceremony. Um, and I ended up getting nominated for seven Grammys that day. And I remember Ja Rule being there. Um, Nelly Furtado was there. Usher was there. Destiny's Child was there. Some other people. That's who I remember. But there were some other people too. Um, and, you know, like David Foster gave me these pieces of paper that had my name in them because the nomination ceremony was kind of like an award ceremony. So there were these envelopes that people would open and your name would be inside. And so David Foster said, you might want these. Um, if you don't know who David Foster is, he's a legendary music producer. Look him up. Legendary. And so he said, you might want these. And I'm standing there like kind of shocked. And Ja Rule said, I don't know. I counted about five or six. And in my mind, I'm thinking it was three. And so the um, nomination ceremony comes to an end, and I realize that somebody tells me that it's seven. And I remember doing an interview right after the ceremony with CNN. I, I heard I was live on CNN, but the funny thing about being live on TV is you don't really know you're live on TV because you don't have a chance to watch yourself. And so somebody asked me what Neo Soul was. And I remember saying something like, Neo Soul is a genre of music and it's less about a sound and more about the way the music is created. And so a lot of times Neo Soul singers create their own music and the music around it is very warm and soulful. And so they named it Neo Soul. I don't know what that has to do with the story. I'm just kind of recounting the day. And so um, this is January 2002. And I have these seven nominations. And so the Grammy ceremony was 
somewhere at the end of January or the middle of February. So there was about a month where everybody was talking about me because I had gone from, like I said, not selling enough albums to even make a video for Ready for Love to having seven Grammy nominations. And so um, there was also Alicia Keys and she had six Grammy nominations. And also Aaliyah had just passed away in the airplane um, that the previous summer, she passed away in that airplane crash and she was nominated for several as well. And so um, when the Grammy ceremony came, I just kept losing. <laughs> I lost some to Aaliyah and I lost basically the rest of them <laughs> to Alicia Keys. And I was also nominated for album of the year and I lost that one to U2. And I remember seeing the Grammy ceremony on TV because I went back to my hotel, was just devastated. And I went back to my hotel and turned on the TV and it was on. And you see me standing backstage with U2. It's the final, um, final award of the night, but also my final award of the night. And I have been very public in my press about loving Stevie Wonder and loving Bonnie Raitt. And so this final award comes and Stevie Wonder and Bonnie Raitt, and I think it was Celine Dion, are giving out this award. And also I had just performed. And so I'm thinking, I might win this one. And after losing six and just performing and Stevie Wonder and Bonnie Raitt being on the stage, when they called you too, Bono tried to pull me out onto the stage with them just as a gesture of goodwill. He's a very kind man. And I was just so overwhelmed with, with sadness that I, you see me bend over and start sobbing. And, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, I haven't thought about this in so long and it's such a sad story to tell. But, so, I... Had a few more shows that were on my books. And I mean, I powered through those shows because I was exhausted. I had never, ever worked that hard, ever. Um, up to the point when Acoustic Soul came out, I had only had like some little part-time jobs here and there. I'd never worked that hard where I was on airplanes all the time and talking to people and having fans and being on TV and getting my makeup done every day and all that stuff. I'd never been through any of it. And so... After the Grammys and how sad it made me, I was exhausted and I had some shows on the books and I finished those shows and then I went to Jamaica. I was invited to this studio in the mountains of Jamaica. There's a, a town in the mountains of Jamaica called Port Antonio. And there was a man who owned a studio up there and he invited me. He paid for all my flights and gave me all of my studio time for free. He said I could bring anybody I wanted to bring. And so I took my band, I took a couple of my friends, and I took uh, one of my spiritual teachers, my godfather. And, um, oh goodness, I hadn't thought about this. I didn't know if I was going to, this is so funny, this will be my first time saying this, I suppose. I mean, it's such an old story, probably nobody cares now. But So back then, Music Soul Child and I were friends. Um, people wondered if we dated, and we kind of did, but not like that. He wasn't like one of the great loves of my life, but there was a time in there when he was one of my main people. And so he surprised me and came to Port Antonio. And so 
he's there and I'm there with my friends and my band and we're recording and talking about stuff and going to the beach every day and enjoying um, ourselves. And I'm just healing from um, this whole, the tumult of having a new career and being newly famous and the pain of the Grammys. And so one of the people who was there and who's always still there with me is my musical director. Anybody who's seen me in concert, you've seen me introduce him. His name is Shannon Sanders. He's gone on to do a lot of great things. He wrote songs for Heather Headley and Robert Randolph and Johnny Lang and a lot of stuff. He was also the Grammy, ironically, the Grammy chapter president um, for Nashville in 2016. He's also a city commissioner in Nashville. He's a very dynamic man. But back then we were just young people and he was my musical director and my songwriting partner. We've written a lot of songs together. Most of the songs, probably 70% of my songs I've written with Shannon Sanders and Little Things too. And so he, you know, spent a lot of time in the studio without me and he came out with this vibe. He calls them vibes where it's a loose idea. And so he had this idea of little things and I was hanging out with music. He had a, uh, um, he had a little townhouse in a different area of Port Antonio. Port Antonio is very small, but his was in a different area. I think it was called Blue Lagoon or something like that. And I heard, I think he was staying in the unit that, I don't know that, why this matters, but I think he was staying in the unit that, um, what is the model's name? Campbell, Naomi Campbell owned, or else she owned a unit right there by his, something like that. So I had the vibe from Shannon on a cassette. Yes, a cassette. <laughs> and I could have been a, could have been a CD. I think I probably had it on a CD. But I had it on a CD or a cassette. And I was at Music's house hanging out with him sitting on his um, dock because they had a boat dock at their townhouse they were staying in. And I sat on the boat dock and wrote the lyrics to Little Things. And the song was inspired by me remembering who I am. Um, outside of all the things that I was told that I should aspire to. Because once those Grammy nominations came out, I wanted them. And I felt that I deserved it and that I should have it. And when I didn't get it, I had to remind myself that that's not what I am and it's not why I started making music. And so when you hear that final verse, I do this for the love of music, not for the glitter and gold I got. (laughs) That was very low, but y'all hear me. Um... With that um, that song and that verse in particular, I say, I do this for the love of music, not for the glitter and gold. And I actually had written, I do this for the love of music, not for the statues of gold. And Shannon convinced me that I shouldn't put it in there because it was antagonizing the Grammy organization. And I always still think about that and wish that I had put it because it was authentic. I mean, you may have been right. Who knows? But... Um, that's where the song came from. There's a lot more to tell, so I'm going to go ahead and end this segment and tell the rest of this story in the next segment. <sighs> so I want to tell you a little bit more about the song, Little Things, um, just kind of about um, the features of it and inter- interesting things about the aesthetic and the and the um, the energy into which it was born. <laughs> And so, um, like I've been saying, my first album, Acoustic Soul, came out in 2001. Voyage to India came out in 2000, 
2002. And so between 2001 and 2002, I wrote this song, Little Things. And um, just to finish up the Grammy story, when I did go back in 2002, I, I won two Grammys. And it was interesting because I didn't win them televised. And so, you know, the way that our culture is, the way our society is, if it's not on TV, it kind of didn't happen. And so a lot of people still don't know that I won two Grammys that night. Um, but I made peace with that that night because very quickly, I'm not going to go all into it. There's something you could look up. There's a documentary called Standing in the Shadows of Motown, which is about the Funk Brothers. And the Funk Brothers were the rhythm section for all that Motown sound. And they went largely unrecognized until someone did a documentary and until the Grammy ceremony in 2002. So... As I recall, Angie Stone gave out an award. I won. And I was upset because they were not airing any of the black music categories on the television portion of the Grammys that year. It was just like crazy to me. Black music is the music of the world. But still, you can go look it up if you can. I don't even know if they have full Grammy ceremonies online, but there were no black acts. Um, The only hip hop act that year was Eminem and he had the roots playing behind him. And so I got up and I I spoke about that, about how they weren't going to see any black acts that night and how it, it all felt weird. And of course, I thanked the people that had helped me make my album too, you know, all that. But I was also irritated and felt like I had to say something. And so then there was another award that they gave out. I was standing backstage. And then there was another award after that. And Angie Stone gave that one out too, and I won again. And so when I came backstage between winning my first and then the other group and then winning my second, after I came back, after winning my second award, there was a very tall black man. He was very ecstatic in that very emotional way. Not not ecstatic as in happy, but ecstatic as in ecstasy ecstatic he was crying and laughing and talking and holding his head and doing a lot and he turned out to be one of the funk brothers and he kept saying i can't believe this after 30 years after 30 years and i've obviously had to think to myself what do i really have to complain about i mean i still think that the politics of the music industry is very disgusting and that man is proof of that, and, and it's um, very hurtful to a lot of people, and it's hurtful also drawn along lines of race and gender and all kind of stuff. It's really an ugly business, but we do it because we love the music, and this is our vehicle for the music, right? And so I had to remember that I do have something to complain about, but not as much as I think I do. And so It took me a while still after that to heal from it. And I still am disgusted by the politics of the music industry, which is why you see me kind of moving the way I do, where I take a long time between albums and I do the kind of albums that I really want to do because I decided, you know, after those two years at the Grammys that why play the game when I can just be me? So that's what I've done all these years. I've been me. And so... um. To date, I've won four Grammys. I won two for the album Voyage to India. I won one for my album Testimony Volume 1, Life and Relationship, which was for a remake of a Sade song called Pearls. 
A lot of people don't know I remade that song. I did. I remade the song Pearls with a singer from the Ivory Coast named Dobe Nore. D-O-B-E-T-G-N-A-H-O-R-E. I don't know why I spelled that. You can look it up online. Um, And so Dobe and I won a Grammy for that. And then I won another Grammy with Herbie Hancock for his remake of the song Imagine. And so I won a, a Grammy with Herbie Hancock which is crazy. And I've been nominated for 25 Grammys since 2001. And so, um, a little bit of another side note, like I told you, I wanted to just share some of the other backstory about this song. In 2001, Sade invited me to be her opening act for her Lover's Rock tour. Um, I remember being afraid and thinking that she should take somebody else because <laughs> I thought, how am I going to play an arena and bring the intimacy that is a hallmark of my performance style to an arena? But when they told me that she came to see me perform and she wanted me, I just said yes. And the first show we did was in Oregon and I knew right away that I could bring my intimate performance style and she was very generous with me. Every night, my name was as big as hers on the marquee. She would stop me in the hallway and like tell me to come in her room and chat with me and tell me that I looked pretty in my colors and that she loved my dreadlocks. And she was just nice, nice to me and very generous. We didn't have a lot of interaction, but we had like some band parties where we all hung out together as a band. And then 9-11 happened while we were on the road. So um, mercifully... 9-11 happened as we were on the highway driving into Atlanta. We were on I-85 going through downtown, and my mother came into the room in the back of the bus and said, an airplane just hit the Twin Towers in New York. And I just instantly started crying because there was something in me that knew that the world was about to change. So I came out into the bus lounge, and some of the people from New York were crying because they had relatives who worked in those buildings, and other people were from New York, and we were all just shocked, of course. And um, I was living with my mother. I had been to college and had my own apartment and everything, but then when my career hit, I moved back in with my mom. And so we took the tour bus to my mother's house out in Stone Mountain, Georgia. She doesn't live there anymore, but at the time. And we took the tour bus there and got out of the tour bus and really just stood in a circle in the street and cried and prayed together as a band. And so um, also during that tour, Aaliyah died in the airplane crash. And I remember being at the airport and... It was one way one day and then after 9-11 it was another way where they would look through all your stuff and touch your stuff. There was one, one flight I took where the man flipped through my journal and my journals are sacred to me. Sacred, sacred to me. And, you know, it was just different. And also Aaliyah had died in a plane crash so flying felt different. And so we went, we had our show in um, Atlanta at Phillips Arena. And then the next show we had was in Denver, which some of you may know, and now I'm going to tell the rest of you, I was born and raised in Denver. My father played for the Denver Nuggets, which is how I was born there. My brother was born there as well. I also have two half-sisters who were both born and raised, and they still live in Denver. My father's still there too. And um, 
So our next show was in Denver. So I was able also in that crazy time in the world to connect with my family in Denver. So I got on stage those two nights and I realized that I didn't have to change anything about my show for it to be appropriate and to administer to people in that time. And that's when I really understood what it meant to be a spiritual person. You know, like for me, um, being being on a spiritual journey is all about, um, how do I say this? Being on a spiritual journey is about learning about the deeper parts of you and the deeper parts of life and being a person who stands f- for the good and the elevation of the consciousness of all of humanity. And so I, I've always made music that I felt would help people. I wanted to be able to heal people through music, to spread love, healing, peace, and joy through the power of words and music. And, but back then, when I was just, my career was like six months old, literally six months old, the idea of healing someone through music or making a social contribution through music was a theory. It was a concept that I thought maybe could happen. And so I would get on stage every day and just be that person, (laughs) even though I didn't know if it was real or not. Um, And when 9-11 happened, I got on stage and I was still that person. And I understood in those moments why it matters to want to be that person. And so... Um, there was the release of Acoustic Soul. There was the Sade tour, which we did 50 dates and I watched her show every night. And then by the end of the year, there was the Grammy nominations. And then top of 2002, January, February, there was the Grammys. And I said all of that to say, I said all that to say it, but I also said all of that to say that the song Little Things is also about experiencing something that is so traumatic that it makes you remember how much the little things in life matter. So I say um, a call in the morning from my little sister singing to me happy birthday. I have a little sister who's 16 years younger than I am and she left me a message one year singing happy birthday to me and I played that message over and over because just the innocence of it and having a sister who was born when I was 16 years old and you know just the innocence and the love in it and so you know after 9-11 happened we all started to see the world in a different way and so little things is about that as well okay That was a lot. I've never talked about that or said it in that way. That was a lot. So (laughs) I want to tell you a little bit more about it in the next segment. (laughs) So 
So a little bit more about the song Little Things. And also, after that last segment and really talking about so many things that I've never said, I said, um, so much <laughs> that this segment all the way to the end of this song, I'm going to try not to say, um, at all, all the way to the end of this conversation. I'm going to try not to say it again. So here we go. Let's see if I can make it. So a few more things about the song, Little Things. There's a sample of the Shaka Khan and Rufus song called Hollywood. Some of you may know it and some of you may have to go ahead and look it up. But the song says, he's on his way. He's going to Hollywood. He's busting into Hollywood. Show him the way he's moving to Hollywood. He's moving into Hollywood. So that's why you hear me. At the end, I don't need no Hollywood. That's where that comes from in the song Little Things. And also, this could be a whole songversation of its own. Maybe I'll tell you more about it sometime. But there's a singer that some of you may know. His name is Anthony David. Anthony David and I met walking down the street when I was 17 years old. And he was probably 21 or 22. And we became fast friends. We were very close friends for about 10 years there or so. We've been a little bit more distant over the years just because life changes. But, you know, when I think of him, I still think of one of my soulmates and one of my very important people in my life. And so when you hear the song, Little Things, on the chorus is the little things it's the little things and the joy they bring yeah that's the chorus and you'll hear a voice there's a little things singing that note that's anthony david you'll hear him in a lot of the, several of the songs on voyage to india because he's just you know He's my friend, and at one point, he was actually my manager. I don't know what we, why we thought that was something we should do, but I think he just believed in my talent. At one point, he took his rent money to pay for a studio time for me. Oh, gosh, thinking about all the things that we've been through together is just wild. And so you hear Shaka in there. You hear Anthony David in there. Please look Anthony David up. We also have a duet together called Words. I think we released it in 2008, something like that. And speaking of, I'm not going to go back and correct it because you guys are sharp-minded and you can follow me. I've been getting these years wrong with the Grammys and the albums. So Acoustic Soul came out in 2001. The Grammy ceremony was in 2002. Um, Voyage to India came out in 2002. The Grammy ceremony was in 2003, where I won the two Grammys that night. And so, what else did I want to share with you? The baby that's laughing in there is a real baby. I was recording this song in the basement studio of a producer named Avery. Was it Wilson? Dang, I don't remember Avery's last name. But there was a very, um, there was a iconic band in Atlanta in the 90s called The Chronicle. Little John and The Chronicle. Little John went on to play drums for, like, Janet Jackson. He just did the Stevie Wonder Songs in the Key of Life tour that I was also on. Like, really, he's played for everybody. He's one of the music industry's premier drummers. 
Side note, <laughs> there's so many connections, you know, life is funny. Side note, the day that Anthony David and his girlfriend moved into their apartment, little John was moving out. So we met him that day and I, you know, we've just been circling each other for over 25 years. And so there's a band called The Chronicle. Avery was in it. I ended up working with Avery in his basement studio here in Atlanta and Avery had a baby and that was his son. And his son had such a strong personality and such a cute laugh that we went ahead and put it in there. That was Shannon's idea. I think that's a part of what adds to the joy that um, Chanel was talking about. And I think the last thing that I want to say about the song Little Things is, is that... <sighs> That song really was important to me because I, of course, I I needed to express my feelings about everything that the song is about and everything that sparked the song. I needed to exercise it. But also, it was a song where I was able to, to remind myself who I am. Like, um... The song says, been around the whole world, still ain't seen nothing like my neighborhood. And of all of the fancy satin and silk, my white cotton feels so good. That is literal, but it's also um, symbolic that all those fancy things that people do, it's fine. All that fancy stuff people want to give me and want me to be, it's fine. But in the end, it's the core of me that matters my white cotton feels so good even that year the year I went to the Grammys um oh I just said it that was only one <laughs> I only said um one time the year that I went to the Grammys this was funny I realize now that I say it when I'm thinking backwards in time ah that's interesting so I remember when I went to the Grammys that first year in 2002 with Acoustic Soul I wore a white cotton gown and um Dang, I said it again. I wore a white cotton gown and Joan Rivers was a fashion critic back then. And she said, your outfit is so smart. It has, it tells a story, she said. And so that that scarf is your mom's scarf and you wanted to wear your mom's scarf and that this is seersucker cotton. It's so different. And she talked about my name having a dot in the middle. She just said that she thought I was basically doing, promoting myself in an intelligent way basically what she was saying which I appreciated and also I've never gotten a chance to tell anybody this story there's a song on Voyage to India called Headed in the Right Direction which I wrote that song as one of the first demos I made before I made Acoustic Soul and somewhere along the way someone played the song for Whitney Houston and she wanted it but then she ended up going through those hard years where she wasn't making any albums. And so I took the song and went ahead and recorded it for myself. But whenever I would see her, even in subsequent years, she would like kind of hum it to me. Headed in the right direction. Like it was something that she loved of mine. And so when I got the Grammy nominations, I got a lot of flowers. Like flowers just kept coming to my hotel room. And I got probably like, I probably got 30 deliveries of flowers, literally 30. The door kept ringing and people just kept bringing flowers. I got some from John Mellencamp, which is a whole nother conversation. Um, I got some from, there I did it, said, um, again, there's only, there's only four times I'm doing good. I got some from different label heads and different artists and 
friends, some family members sent flowers. But that was in L.A. when the Grammy nomination ceremony happened. Once I got home to Atlanta, Whitney Houston sent flowers to my house. And the card said, baby girl, keep headed in the right direction. So if you look at pictures of me from the 2002 Grammys, you'll see my cotton dress. You'll see I have a silk scarf over it. That was my mom's scarf because it just made me comfortable. And you will see I have on a very small pouch that was a gift from my friend, my high school friend, Courtney Sanderson. It was a green, dark green beaded pouch. And inside of there, I had a rose quartz, which rose quartz is a self-love stone. And I just felt, I felt really uncomfortable with that much attention on me. And so I thought that the rose quartz would help me feel more at ease. And I had the card from Whitney Houston in that purse. Still stuns me to this day that she liked my music and that she knew who I was. <laughs> Still stuns me to this day. And what else is there to say about little things? Actually, there is a whole nother layer of it, but I think that layer can go with the episode I want to do next. Ooh, I have such a good idea for that one too. And now it is 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> I think this is the longest episode I've done so far. Y'all let me know what you think about these episodes. Um, Dang, all right. I said um five times, but that's not a lot compared to what I did in that other segment. <laughs> I think I'm going to end this here. Thank you so much for, for listening and for hearing my story. Thank you, Chanel, for the inspiration to do songversation little things and I think I'm going to end it like this this is a perfect time for a closing affirmation and I want to say this to myself and to everyone who's listening life by its nature is full of ups and downs more ups and downs for some people than others. Some people have more public ups and downs. Some people have more drastic ups and downs. But that doesn't matter. What matters is how it feels to us on the inside. And by nature, life is dynamic. And so we're all going to go through things there are going to be times in our lives when we go through the craziest things, things we think we won't ever be able to make it through, but we do. And I affirm the elasticity of our hearts, that we will have hearts that are flexible and strong enough to be able to take the shape of whatever it is we have to deal with in the moment and to go back to its original shape when we've digested that moment. And I affirm our resilience. That's the word. Right now for myself and for everyone listening, I affirm our resilience. Sometimes you got to lay your head down on the table and just cry. But the next day or the next month or the next week or the next year, you get up and you keep going and you might be changed, but that's life. Of course, we're going to change through life. And we all have trauma. You know, trauma is, in my my definition of trauma, is an emotionally 
traumatic experience that is so traumatic that it changes the way we view life. Let me rephrase that. It's an emotionally violent experience that is so traumatic that it changes the way that we see life. And I think we all have some sort of trauma. But it's still, there's still the little things. There's still the ocean. There's still the sun. There's still the music. There's still your nieces and your nephews. There's still um, your passions. There's still color. There's still purple and blue and sunsets and orange and opals and fire. And, you know, there's still yoga and running and walking and stretching your feet at the end of the day. There's still high heels and makeup and matte red lipstick and cutting our hair off. And there's still so many little things to be thankful for. And so I affirm that even in the midst of a tumultuous human experience, that we are resilient and that we will remember the little things. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I have such a ball doing these. Then love to all soul birds worldwide. You know who you are and you are a soul bird if you think you are. So you know who you are and love to everyone else. And please, through this Anchor app, you can send me questions and comments and I love to hear them. I don't answer all of them. I can't answer all of them, but I do listen to all of them. So thank you. And let me know what you want to hear a conversation about. I just might do it. And I guess it's 4.41 a.m. on the East Coast. And I'm going to go to bed now. (laughs) Before I go to bed, I just want to say thank you. And may you clearly hear the song in your heart. I like that.